Hello and welcome to the Broken Orbital MMA podcast. My name is Jack. I'm your host. Today's um, podcast is going to be UFC London Volkov versus Aspinall pre-drinks. We're going to be previewing and predicting the entirety of the UFC London card that's coming up this weekend. I'll also be giving you um, my best bets, my top three bets as well for the night at the end. Um, we went 3-0 and in the bets last time out in the uh, in the, the Angolaya versus Santos card. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, if you enjoy this, then you know please let me know, interact with it, uh, tweet and follow and like and share and all of that, all those good things. Um, you can get us on Twitter at brokenorbital underscore on Instagram and TikTok at brokenorbitalmma. You can listen to this podcast on any of your preferred podcast providers. Just search up Broken Orbital. There's an issue with the um, with the last one going on Spotify, so I'm not sure what happened there, but hopefully we can amend that very quickly. I don't want to keep you waiting, so I hope you enjoy. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna change the order up as well. We're gonna go from bottom to top as opposed to top to bottom this card because I want to talk about some of these prelims. Don't know why that. Don't know why some of these prelims are down here, but they are. Let's um, let's get into it. Let's uh, talk about this card. Okay, then on to the first fight of the night. We have got Mohamed Mikhaev making his UFC debut in the flyweight division versus Cody Durden. Mohamed Mikhaev is someone who is very familiar to not just MMA fans in the UK like myself, but you know across the globe. I mean, you, you don't just accumulate a twenty-two and amateur career, you know, as a teenager without people taking notice. Um, another. IMMAF uh, alumni as well. So yeah, the guy is very familiar to us all. We all know uh, about him. He's a six-time national wrestling champion as well. And while we get, you know, in the UK, it's not really as, uh, you know, illustrious, I suppose, a, a title as if it was somewhere else. But it's still worth noting and still worth taking, um, you know, still worth taking a note of. Um, but yeah, you know, he's turned pro now. He's been fighting professionally for a couple of years. I think he's only like 5-0 and, and with one no contest, but... Um, he took out Blaine O'Driscoll in his last fight, a top Irish prospect. So, yeah, you know, Mahara Mikhaev is moving now and he's he's in the UFC. Uh, I did come a little bit sooner than I expected, but listen, I think he was someday the UFC were obviously desperate to snap up. And he's taking on Cody Durden here, who's a good fighter in his own right. He's a good wrestler and, you know, I don't think he's somebody that we, we shouldn't be kind of jumping right over him, you know, and took out um, Keelang Iori in his last fight. So... And that's a good win for him there. Lost um, to Jimmy Flick, I think, before that. We had, like, flying triangle choke or something mad like that. Um, I think that was the end of, uh, not last year, but the year before, end of 2020. Either way, um, yeah, he's a good fighter. You know, he, he done well in the kind of regional circuit. Um, got some good wins out there. You know, I think he lost to, like, Jared Scoggins or something as well, which is, you know, it's quite something. Um, but yeah, as I said, he's a good wrestler in his own right, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna try and take this fight to my, um, to Mikhaev. And don't get me wrong, I really think there's a lot of room for success for Cody Durden in this one. I think he's gonna have success with his wrestling. I think he's gonna put the pressure on him, and I think he might even get Mikhaev down. You know, he might even be able to to get on top and find himself in good positions. I like his kicks, but I think overall, I just like Mikhaev's defense a lot more. And I just think the the big factor for me is gonna be the cardio in this one. I think Mikhaev. He might lose the first round, you know, but I think he's just going to keep pushing. Darden's going to slow down, I think. You know, I think he's going to be working hard. He's either going to be working to get him down really hard or he's going to be working to defend the takedowns really hard. And I guess my only real concern for Mikhaev is, is, the, um, is his camp out in Bahrain. I'm just not convinced that he's, he's got a real camp out there. Um, but uh, overall, 
I just think Durden's probably going to gas out. I think whether he's, he might take the first round, but whether he's trying to take Mikhaev down or whether he's defending takedowns himself, he's just going to be, you know, using a lot of energy. And I, I do expect him to kind of fade as the fight goes on. And I think Mikhaev in that second round, in that third round, will take over. And I'll see he wins a, a decision in London. So yeah, I'm going to go with Mohamed Mikhaev to run out as the victor on his UFC debut. Right, okay, moving swiftly on, we've got Corey Poppins-McKenna. She's taking on Elise Reed. And I'm a little surprised at the line for this one. The fact that Elise Reed's a 2-1 to one underdog is definitely a surprise to me. I don't think she should be anywhere near such a... This, this line should not be so wide. Um, I like Corey McKenna. Obviously, she's really young. She's like 22, I think. So she's super young. You know, she's been out in America tra training with Team Alpha Male and things, so she's got a good, a good camp there. Um, and we've seen what she can do, you know, she's a good grappler, she's very good on top when she gets the fight down there, we've seen that in the in our fight with, with Kay Hansen, you know, she's had a little bit of issue with injuries and that is something that maybe worries me, but at the same time she's had such a long layoff so she could be vastly improved, um, but I think a big, huge concern for me about Corey McKenna is her striking defence, it was frankly abysmal against uh, against Kay Hansen, you know, and I don't think Kay Hansen is the greatest of strikers, uh, you know, you've seen the way that Jasmine Jazdevicius defeated Kay Hansen, well, at least Reed defeated her, you know? So I know that MMA math doesn't work, but it's worth noting, I think. Um, as for at least Reed, I mean, the chips were stacked against her in her UFC debut. You know, she was up a weight class against the Jarrah Eubanks on short notice. I mean, she had no business being in there with Eubanks. Bearing in mind, Eubanks was someone who, you know, was meant to be fighting for the world title at one point, right? Um, and she's so physically strong. She's so domineering. She just shouldn't have been in there with, with Eubanks, you know, um, for a girl who's had like what, four pro fights, five pro fights. Um, so I think for Elise Reed, definitely a path to victory in this one. I think, you know, Corey McKenna did struggle in the clinch a little with Kay Hansen. And I think someone like Elise Reed, I think she's a black belt in Taekwondo. I think she's going to be good on the feet. I think she will be, be better in those clinch positions. I am really struggling as to where to go with this one because I can definitely see Elise Reed having a lot of success on the feet in this fight. Um, and I can maybe see Corey McKenna starting to struggle to get it to the ground. I think in the end, I'm gonna I'm gonna see Corey McKenna gets it to the ground and and wins rounds, if not stopping it. But yeah, two to one underdog in Elise Reed. I really don't think that's um, you know, I, I don't think that's a justifiable line. I, I really think that yeah, Corey McKenna is way too big a favorite here. I like Elise Reed a lot in this one. I think it's gonna be really close, but I'm gonna just ever so slightly side with McKenna to get the job done. Right then, on to the next one, and, and what a travesty that this is so far down the card. We've got Jack the Tank Shore taking on Timur Valiev, and Jack Shore, again, someone that I've been very familiar with from his Cage Warriors days. You know, he won the, the world title, um, or the Cage Warriors title, back then uh, on the, the, the Bantamweight tournament, of course. And uh, yeah, back then you could see, or at least I thought that, you know, yeah, okay, we've got a guy here who... It's future UFC championship material, and I still believe that to this day. You know, he's come into the UFC and he's got flying. You know, he's won four now. Um, yeah, he's really moving. And he's taking on a guy in Timur Valiev who is definitely a really good test for him. Don't get me wrong, Jack Shore's fought good good opponents, um, but this is his biggest test to date. Valiev, someone who, um, you know, I think he was in PFL as well, wasn't he, for a bit, which uh, which was weird. You know, he was uh, obviously, of course, in World Series of Fighting as well before then. He transitioned over. And someone who I was a little surprised it took them all this long to kind of get into the UFC. Um, but, you know, he's here and he's a very good fighter. Um, 
you know, the only outstanding loss on his MMA record was his very first fight. So that tells you a lot about Team Ravaliev now. Um, he did no contest with Trevin Jones in his UFC debut, and then he fought Martin Day um, last year, and now he's fighting against, or sorry, then he fought against um, Haloni Barcelos in a, a decision that he probably shouldn't have gotten, if we're being honest, uh, in the Gan Volkov cards. Um, this will be his third fight as well in a row, um, in which he's on a card headlined by Alexander Volkov. So he obviously loves sharing a card with Volkov. Maybe that's going to give him good luck. But yeah, I mean, Jack Shore, he draws comparisons to George St. Pierre and whether it's totally justified or not. And I mean, I understand it. You've got to be pretty good if you're getting compared to GSP, right? Um, you know, the, the way that his patience in the grappling and the way that he controls you when you're down and the way that he... You know, the patience that he shows when looking for a submission. He's one of those guys who's like wise beyond his years and... Um, you know, the discipline that he shows is really exceptional. This is going to be a tough fight for him. As I said, you know, Valiev is a good wrestler in his own right. Um, you know, I think maybe even Valiev might might end up on top at times in this fight. I think perhaps um, we, we could see that. Maybe Jack Shore shoots in and Valiev ends up on top. I could see Jack Shore maybe getting into some difficult positions. We've not really seen him in any in his career so far in the UFC. I could see maybe Timur Valiev um, doing that. However, I just think that at the end of the day, I don't know if Valiev's going to have the same cardio. I think the difference, though, for me, is going to be the striking here. And, and Jack Shore's last couple of fights, you know, last year... Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jack Shore, he draws comparisons to George St. Pierre and whether it's totally justified or not. And I mean, I understand it. You've got to be pretty good if you're getting compared to GSP, right? Um, you know, the, the way that his patience in the grappling and the way that he controls you when you're down and the way that he... You know, the patience that he shows when looking for a submission. He's one of those guys who's like wise beyond his years. And, um, you know, the discipline that he shows is really exceptional. This is going to be a tough fight for him. As I said, you know, Valiev is a good wrestler in his own right. Um, you know, I think maybe even Valiev might might end up on top at times in this fight. I think perhaps um, we, we could see that. Maybe Jack Shore shoots in and Valiev ends up on top. I could see Jack Shore maybe getting into some difficult positions. We've not really seen him in any in his career so far in the UFC. I do fancy him to take advantage of that, get him to the floor. And I'm picking Jack Shaw here. I think he has got all the makings of a world champion. I still do. As I said, it'll be a tough fight for him. I expect him to make it put in some difficult positions, but I think he's going to overcome them, and I think he's going to win the fight. Whether it's by decision or maybe a late submission, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to ride with Jack Shaw here to get the job done. Okay, next up, and another fight, which, how is this not on the main card? I have no idea. It should be, but we've got Nikita the Minor Krylov. He's taking on Paul the Bear Jew Craig. And um, yeah, top 10 light heavyweights going at it. That should be on the main card. Why is it not? Um, and Paul Craig is someone who has been pretty disrespected. Let's be, let's be real. Um, you know, with his ranking number 10. Jamal Hill, listen, got a great knockout over Johnny Walker. Great prospect. But Paul Craig beat him like, what, six months ago? Maybe just over that. Um, under a year anyway. How is, how is Jamal Hill now ranked ahead of Paul Craig? What's Paul Craig done to lose that ranking? Nothing. You know, we had a fight with Gustafson that fell through um, last year. So, you know, it's not really his fault. But whatever, I digress. Um, this is a great fight. And this is a really fun one. And as somebody who, obviously, I'm, I'm Scottish, if you could figure that one out. This is uh, one that means a lot to me as a fan. You know, Paul Craig is Scotland's best chance right now of becoming a UFC champion. Alongside Casey O'Neill. But Casey's still got a while to go. Paul Craig is very much, you know, he's... Uh, he's uh, grounded enough and, and wise enough to know that, you know, he's 34. He's saying it himself, this is it. This is his title run, you know. Um, he kind of postponed his retirement plans because he does feel like 
he can make one run at this title. He's not got really got time on his side. You know, and he says himself, you know, if he loses this fight, then where do you go? You know, you, you're kind of back to square one, and then he would, you know, he would be considering retirement. So we want to see him win, or I want to see him win anyway. I'm going to be biased here. Um, I'm not going to be biased in my breakdown, though. Let's, let's, let's be real. So we'll start with... We'll start with Nikita Krylov, who's really weird. Um, like, he's one of those guys as well that in kind of the entirety... The entire length of the time that I've been an MMA fan, the entire length of the time that I've watched the UFC, Nikita Krylov has kind of came in, you know, and, and been a fighter here, like, right at, you know, not at the very beginning of me being an MMA fan, but in 2015, you know, um, when I was, I've been a bit an MMA fan for, like, a year or so, Nikita Krylov was, um, he made his debut and a heavyweight, I'm pretty sure, right? Um, and let's start with Nikita Krylov, and he's a guy who... I, like for the entire length of me being a UFC fan or an, an MMA fan, um, but watching the UFC, of course, he feels like I've kind of seen him. Like I, I wasn't, I don't remember his debut. That was slightly before I was a fan, but I remember like his fight with um, OSP, and I remember his fight on the McGregor Brando card. So about that time. But point is, is that and I think that was his like heavyweight debut, wasn't it? OSP because he came in as a heavyweight. Um, so I feel like I've watched his whole career, and he was really young as well. Like he was um, 21, 22, I think, at that time. And he's only 29 just now, which is weird and frightening when you consider, you know, you know, it's been that long he's been here. But he's one of those guys that I think we've all watched grow as a fighter. And, you know, he's had the majority of his career in the UFC, aside from that. What was that? Remember that weird stint a few years ago when he was at, um, he was at Fight Nights, Fight Nights Global? That was strange. When he got... Release. Thank you. Lost to Misha Sarkinov and didn't resign. I'm not sure what that was all about. I'm glad he's back though because he deserves to be here. But um, he's a pretty weird one. He's quite volatile. He's really solid all round. He's a great grappler um, offensively. Anyway, he's very good. He's a better wrestler in this fight. That's for sure. He's a better striker in this fight. That's for sure. His hands are good. He's powerful. He's got good submission skills. Like you know, he went on a run where he was submitting guys left, right, and center in the UFC before he got that. Before he submitted himself by by Misha Sarkinov, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, this is such a weird fight, uh, or sorry, he's such a weird fighter in general, just because of that. Like he's usually, if you're a grappler, you're just a good grappler. If you're a good submission artist, you're just good at submissions. You're good at defending them. You're good at executing them. He's not like that. He's good at he's good at submitting folk. He's not so good at um, stopping getting submitted himself, which is. It's so weird, man. It's just not many fighters are like that. Although he did go the distance with Glover. So fair play to him. But yeah, when you see him on the receiving end of, of when you, you know of fights and when he's losing them, he does look quite bad at times. I mean, he's coming off of a loss to Magomed Ankalaev, of course, who we, you know, we talked about him last week. Um, before then, one against Johnny Walker. It was a very good, very solid performance. But to be fair, he should be beating a guy like Johnny Walker, to be honest with you. He's better than Johnny Walker. Um... This is a really, really tough fight to call. Um, what I like about Paul Craig is a lot of grapplers, when they come into you know the UFC, guys who have maybe got through their amateur career and their you know their early pro career, um, grappling, when they come into the UFC, you know they start to mix it together. Maybe they get a couple of wins, and then it's like people start asking questions. Hey, well, you can grapple, but can you strike? And a lot of them kind of double down, and they're like, okay, I'm going to show you I can strike, and they get caught up in that, and vice versa. It goes to strikers as well. I always, maybe not the best example of, of a, a pure striker, but I always go back to this example. It's one that I think of, maybe because it hurts me as a Scottish fan, but um, Stevie Ray, I remember his fight with Alain Patrick, and he was getting taken down and held down for the entirety of the fight. 
And instead of trying to get back up with his energy, he spent the whole fight on his back chasing submissions that he never got. Um, now, if Stevie Ray had just put some of that energy into trying to get back to his feet, he might have won the fight, or he might have got back up and won it, right? Um, Paul Craig's not really like that. Maybe he did, at least, you know, not at the moment, just now. He's um, he's very much a guy who knows his striking's not very good. Um, I think he'd tell you that himself. Where he excels is on the mat. He's arguably the best jiu-jitsu player in this division, I think, with the likes of Glover Teixeira. You know, it's probably him and Paul Craig are the two best grapplers in this division just now. Um, so he knows that, and he plays to his strengths. He's trying to get you on the mat, and he's very good at kind of luring you into, into positions, you know, luring you into his guard and, and sneaking you in there. And he's someone who's also proven that, hey, you know, off his back, he's dangerous. The Ankalev fight, you know, um, the Ankalev fight, of course, um, kind of springs to mind there and he, you know he's done it a couple of times Jamal Hill of course in his, his last one so um, as I said he's a guy who's proving that on his back he's really really dangerous and he doesn't mind being on his back because he knows he can submit you right so this fight is really interesting because number one what version of Nikita Krylov are we going to get you know we know that listen Nikita Krylov's Ukrainian there's stuff going on in Ukraine we all know that how is he going to be and um, Paul Craig said it himself at his press conference you know He'd like to say that he's a professional and that he's, you know, he's carrying on with his job and he's, you know, he's not thinking about other things, but you can't be so sure, right? This is absolutely, you know, these are, these are exceptional circumstances, right? Um, so we're, we're not entirely too sure how he's going to be. I just don't trust Nikita Krilov enough to, you know, in the past, like, don't get me wrong, you look at the guys he loses to, he loses to, you know, Ankalaev and Blahovich and, and Glover Teixeira and Misha Zirkinov, who's no slouch, maybe not in the same vein as the other three there, but... Um, good fighter himself. Um, but yeah, Magomed, sorry, Nikita Krylov, his grappling defense just worries me way too much. He should dictate where the fight takes place. And if he's switched on, and if Nikita Krylov is at his best, he will keep this fight on the feet and he will win it for sure. As I said, he's a better wrestler. He might even, you know, choose to offensively grapple Paul Craig. But at the same time, if he does, I think that's a bad move because as I've said, he can't defend submissions himself. So it's very much a kind of tit for tat. It's a, you know, you give and take some here in this matchup with all the different variables. If it was on the feet, Krillow's winning this. I do fancy him to maybe take down Paul Craig and get caught with Greg in his guard, or I fancy Paul Craig, um, you know, to maybe take him down himself. And I think that's probably his best strategy here. If Paul Craig can take down Nikita Krillow, his submission defense tells me he's, he's tapping. So I'm going to go with a bear Jew. I think he's either going to get him down himself, he's going to pull him into his guard, or Krilov's going to get him down. Either way, I just think that this fight will hit the mat at some point. I just don't trust Nikita Krilov enough to be able to keep this one standing. And if it does hit the mat, I fancy Paul Gray to get something. I fancy me catch an arm, catch a neck if it's, if it's you know, sitting right there. I think in that Ankalaya fight, Nikita Krilov's neck was, was pretty exposed, so... Someone like Paul Craig will snap that up and, you know, they'll have that for their dinner. I'm going to say Paul Craig wins this one and um, hopefully bringing the UFC back to Glasgow. It sounded like his uh, press conference there, he was saying that they've booked all these venues across the UK, um, you know, London, Manchester, Liverpool, Glasgow. Um, and it sounds like it depends on the winners of the, the fights on Saturday as to where they go next. So I'm assuming that they've booked Scotland, hoping Paul Craig is a win. Or not hoping, but, you know. Uh, just in case Paul Craig gets the win and headlines that card so yeah hopefully he can get us an event as well and maybe, maybe Cardiff as well for you know the Welsh fans Jack Shore why not they've not had one yet and that feels a bit, a bit rude so go on give, give the fans what they want in Wales okay I'm going to try and wrap through the next few then we've got 
Shamil Abdurahimov, he's taken on Sergei Pavlovich. Pavlovich is someone I am very familiar with. I was watching him on the come up uh, in Fight Nights Global. He was somebody I was a big fan of and definitely part of this new wave, next generation of heavyweights, much like Tom Aspinall in the sense that he's lighter on the feet and he moves really well. His boxing's crisp too and he's got power as well. He's not just a heavyweight who doesn't have the power. Sergei Pavlovich definitely has got the knockout power. I love his hands. I love his hand speed, his boxing skills in general. He's a really talented fighter and, you know, got his UFC debut a few years ago against Alexander, sorry, um, against Alistair Overeem in China. You know, and lost that one probably was just a little bit too green to be taking on a guy like Overeem. Um, of course, he lost that fight, but since then, he's bounced back. He's got back-to-back -back finishes now. And yeah, he's been out for a little while. He's been out since, you know, October 2019, I think it was the Maya Ashburn card in Singapore. So, um, yeah, he's got, you know, a few years off now, or a couple of years off, and um, it'll be interesting to see if he's improved. I'm assuming Sergei Pavlovich probably has improved on, um, you know, improved since his last performance. Of course, Abdurakimov was meant to be the, and he was the original opponent for Tom Aspinall, of course. So, you know, that kind of tells you hey, where, where he's kind of, uh, where he sits in the division. Uh, I, I do maybe worry, though, about his age. Like, he's lost a couple of fights now um, via finish, his last two, of course, you know, to Curtis Blades and then Chris Dawkins. So I'm worried that maybe the chin isn't all there. I think the UFC knew what they were doing when they gave Aspen all that fight. You know, that was kind of meant to be a layup in that one. Um, I, I maybe worry about Pavlovich's gas tank a little if he can't get out of here in the first I think Abdurakhimov, well, he is 40. You know, he's still here for a reason. And obviously, you know, he's lost to those two guys. But before then, a couple of years ago now, but beating Arlovsky on points, um, defeated Martian Tigura as well. So he's a very good fighter who's still hanging around. I am going to go with Pavlovich to get this done in the first round. I, I think he's probably going to knock him out. But as I said, you know, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't finish this in the first, then I'm, a, yeah, I'm a little concerned. I think... You know, some people are kind of saying that they don't see much in Pavlovich, and that's fair enough. That's their opinion. I do. I think he's a good fighter. I think he's a top prospect in this division. Maybe I'll, you know, be proved wrong. But yeah, if, if Abdurakhimov can weather this storm, I can see him maybe grinding out a decision or maybe even getting a late finish himself. But I'm going to ride with Pavlovich. I think he gets a knockout in the first round. I wouldn't touch this betting wise, though. I just don't trust any of them. Feature prelim then, we've got Mike Grundy and Mahwan Amirkani. Why is this so high up on the card? I don't know. Um, <laughs> who done that? That's such a terrible decision. <laughs> um, I can't tell if I like this fight or if I hate it. I think these are like two low-level IQ, two poor cardio grapplers. And this could make for a really fun fight, you know, just as we get into the, the later rounds here. Uh... I don't really know what to make of this. I guess I'm going to go Mike Grundy. I just think that he's probably slightly better everywhere. I think he's a better wrestler. I think he's, you know, I think he's got better hands, but like he's not exactly efficient when it comes to taking people down. I think he went like three for 20 <laughs> in this fight with Lando Venata. So, um, yeah, maybe not the best, but at least he's, you know, he's determined. He's going to keep trying to get the fight down um, in that one, you know, and obviously he couldn't defeat Mossar Evlev, but, you know, Evlev is just really, really, really really good one over Nadal Romani though is a good win for him so you know fair dues to uh, to Mike Grundy I just don't trust Marquan Amirkani either um, you know he lost to Kamwela Kirk last year and he, you know he lost to Leroy Murphy of course in his last fight 
I just don't think Amir Khani's all that. He's a good submission artist, of course, but um, you know, I can see him getting taken down here at times, and I just think his takedown defense is good enough. So yeah, I expect that will happen, but I think both guys are gonna gas pretty heavily. Um, and maybe in the, you know, as the later rounds goes on, this might turn into a striking affair, it might turn into a, a sloppy grappling affair. I don't really know how this one's gonna go. I probably wouldn't touch it betting wise, but I'm I'm gonna go with Mike Grundy here. Okay, on to the main cards, and we've got Jai Herbert taking on Elia Tapuria to kick things off. And yeah, I, I don't know what Jai Herbert done to Mick Maynard and Sean Shelley, but to have to fight Trinaldo. Mojano and now Tapuria, um, you know, to kind of welcome him to the UFC. That is brutal. Don't know what happened there, but I like Jai Herbert. He's a good fighter. I think obviously we've not had the chance to see the best of him in the UFC yet because he's kind of facing killers, you know. Um, but listen, I think Jai Herbert is a live, live dog in this fight. I really do. I like him in this one. Uh, I'm interested to see Wendy and I'm interested to see the the size difference between the two because Tapuria is yeah I, I like John Herbert in this one I, I think he's a live dog here um, I'm very interested to see them on weigh-in day because I think Tapuria he's a stalky featherweight but he's not massive um, I think John Herbert's a pretty big lightweight though so I think this the weight difference here could be quite big I think there's an 8 inch reach advantage a 6 inch height advantage on John Herbert's side and the striking you know, I don't think Tapiria striking's bad. I like Tapiria striking, but he could definitely keep him on the outside if he can keep him on the end of his jab and stick and move and, you know, circle around and get away from, from Tapiria. There's a route to victory for Jai Herbert in this one. But, you know, Ilya Tapiria is a top... He's a top 10 featherweight, you know. He's a guy who's capable of of winning the world title. I just think his grappling's going to be too good. I think, you know, his striking is good enough. If he can get on the inside, he can make this a, a good fight with, with Herbert, but... I do think he's going to probably get the takedown at one point and, um, you know, even multiple takedowns. I fancy him to get them as he likes, you know. Um, and yeah, I think Elia Tapuria is probably going to finish this fight on the mat via submission. Uh, so my, my official pick is Tapuria by submission, most likely. But I think Jai Herbert, as I said, he's a live dog. I think there's definitely a route to victory for him in this one. I think, you know, his length is going to be really good for him. Um, um, but I suppose... We'll see how the how the size difference helps him in the uh, you know in defending the takedown, but I think Tapir is going to get it done. I think he's going to get him down and, and probably finish him. Right, the meatball Molly McCann. She's taking on Luana Carolina, and um, I like Carolina's striking. I think she's a good striker. I think she's pretty powerful. You know, she's she's pretty heavy handed. Um, you know, not really got the finishes on the resume yet to kind of you know to kind of show us. Um, but, you know, I like her. I think I went over Lupe Godinez in our last fight. That's a good win for her. Um, you know, she beat Pollyanna Patelio as well by split, via split decision. So I do like Luana Carolina, but I'm going to go with Molly McCann. I don't think this fight, there's not much between these girls at all, you know, and I, I don't think you should treat it as if there is. I think if you're getting a good, a, you know, a good underdog line for Carolina, maybe you take it. Um, but I think Molly McCann, for me, has just proven that she can mix up and Luara Carolina hasn't. You know, if anything, she's looked like a fish out of water on the mat now. By no means is Molly McCann some black belt jiu-jitsu fighter, you know. Um, she's not a grappler, primarily, you know. These ladies are going to go out there, they're going to slug it out, um, and they're going to have a, a great fight, I'm sure of it. I think it's gonna, this is going to be a very exciting one. But I just fancy Molly McCann to, to mix it up and get the takedowns, and that's going to be the difference, I think. Keeping her guessing... Getting her on the mat, winning some, you know, some points uh, on on the cards, uh, you know, on the mat, and um, 
yeah, as I, as I said, you know, that's just been a difference maker. Um, you know, she's she, she's proven that in her career that she can win. Um, she can get the fight to the ground. So my picks are Molly McCann. I think she's just going to be able to mix it up too well. I think she'll probably win this one via decision. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like incredibly confident, but I am reasonably confident in this one. I just think, as I said, she'll be able to mix it up. And that's something that Carolina hasn't shown she can do. Right, then we've got Gunnar Gunny Nelson making his return after like, what, two and a half years off? He's taking on Takahashi Sato. And yeah, I'm going to go with Nelson in this one. Gunnar Nelson's probably way past his prime, you know, or not maybe way past it, but he's probably past his prime. Um, you know, even in his prime, he was like, what, a borderline top 10 guy who could never really get any further, um, if, if even that. He's taking on a guy, Takahashi Sato, who, um, he's got, you know, he's obviously training out at Sanford MMA, you know, he's training with Henry Hooft, etc. So he's got a really good camp out there. Um, and he's a really powerful guy, right? He's, he's heavy and, uh, you know, he's heavy-handed and, you know, he's knocked out Jason Witt and Killer B. Saunders. Um, you know, his two losses in the UFC as well. He, he got finished by Bilal Muhammad and Miguel Baeza, who are guys he shouldn't really be in there with, if we're being honest. They're very good fighters. But then, yeah, that's my worry there. They were both by submission, and, you know, three of his four pro losses are by way of submission. If Gunnar Nelson is even just a fraction of his former self, he should be able to win this fight, like... Don't get me wrong, the power of Sato means this is real and, it, you know, Gunnar Nelson's layoff um, could be a, a problem. I think his movement is good enough. You know, he's got that he's, he's wide stance, etc. He's quite light on his feet. He likes to bounce a lot. Um, he should be elusive enough to avoid the big strikes and then take this fight to the mat. Um, listen, if Gunnar Nelson starts grappling and if he gets this on the ground, there's no excuses for Gunnar Nelson not winning this fight, not winning the rounds or better yet, submitting him. Uh, so I'm going to go with Gunny Nelson here. Definitely a route for for uh, for Sato in this one. Um, I, I, it's too hard, or it's hard to be like really extremely confident in this one. But I am relatively confident, um, j just because of his layoff. But yeah, I'm pretty confident in Gunny Nelson here getting the submission win. Right then, the featured bout on the main card. We have got uh, Paddy the Barry Pimla. He's taking on Rodrigo Cazula Vargas, of course, as he's better known as Cazula. And the UFC know what they're doing here with Paddy Pimlet. They are giving him a layup. That's maybe a little bit harsh, but um, Vargas is a good grappler himself. You know, I think he's got um, a few submission wins. He's also got a couple of knockouts as well, but he is kind of primarily known um, as a grappler, which is interesting. Uh, he beat uh, Rong Zhu in his last fight, who's a good up-and-coming fighter out of China. So, yeah, he's alive. He's about there. Um, I just think Paddy Pimlet is going to be able to I just think wherever the fight goes here Paddy Pimlet's better you know like he's Sunday as well who I've seen coming out of Cage Wars Paddy Pimlet is someone who could have been in the UFC like four or five years ago you know um, but he he stuck uh, he stuck the Cage Warriors and done his growing there and I say this all the time but the UFC is not necessarily the best place for a prospect's development Paddy Pimlet knew that and he took his losses in Cage Warriors you know he lost to the likes of Soren back um in there and he beat the likes of like Julian Arosa who you know look at how that one has aged for him you know it's been a tremendous victory you look at Julian Arosa now he's just a competent guy on the UFC roster so yeah I think Paddy Pimble is just better here <laughs> you know I, I do believe he's going to get the job done I think wherever this fight goes he's better I can see him maybe knocking down Vargas and getting the finish but you know I don't think that Pimlet is some sort of I don't think he's going to be a top 10 guy or anything so it's very possible that um, 
you know, that Vargas defeats him tonight. I don't think there's going to be a tremendous amount in between them. But I am going to go with Paddy Pimlet to get the job done. I think he'll probably get a finish. Um, yeah, I'm riding the Paddy Pimlet here. Okay, on to the cool main event. And we've got Arnold Allen. He's taking on Dan the Hangman Hooker, the real BMF. And in this one, this is a close fight. And I like this one a lot. Allen to me is someone who, like, he's not, he doesn't feel like really exceptional anywhere. He's just very, he's got a very good head on his shoulders. Another guy who's kind of, as I said before, with them, with the likes of Jack Shore. He just seems very wise beyond his years. You know, his IQ is very good. His defense is great. His striking defense in particular is fantastic. Um, and he just kind of knows when he, when he picks it up really well. He knows when to get going. And, you know, he understands the kind of the triggers for when he needs to, you know, um, a pile on the pressure or step inside. So I, I like Arnold Allen a lot um, in general. And like, there's a reason that he's been matched up with the likes of, you know, Josh Emmett. And of course, you know, that never went through. You've seen him in his last fight with uh, Sadiq Yusuf as well. Um, of course, and how that one's, uh, how that one's aged with uh, Yusuf's last fight there. I just think, I suppose the biggest concern for me is just his inactivity, but that's always been the same. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this one goes as well with Dan Hooker. Again, he's another guy I'm interested to see on the scales. He was a big lightweight, or he wasn't a big lightweight. He was a, he was a relatively big lightweight. Obviously, he was a big featherweight when he was down there. The fact that he's coming back, I'm not exactly sure if he's going to look too great or not. I'm not exactly, as I said, I'm not exactly 100% sure. But um, yeah, we obviously we know what Hooker's going to do. If he can keep this at range, if he can pick him apart, he's going to look good. Um, he's a very underrated grappler as well, but he's also been on the receiving end of a couple of, of bad knockouts. You know, he's not really looked great since the Poye fight. Of course, that was an absolute war. He took a ton of damage in that one. Um, you know, and he's been knocked out, of course, um, since then. He lost the fight to um, Michael Chandler, of course, on Fight Island and and Chandler's debut. Um, you know, he beat Nasser at Hagparas, which is a was a good kind of fight to kind of see where he was at in the division, and then he takes that one on short notice against Islam Makhachev. So, um, you know, you can't really see all too much there. So yeah, this is a really difficult one. As I said, Allen to me is just someone who he doesn't really stick out anywhere. Um, he just is super well rounded. He's definitely going to be the better grappler in this one, but he's just super well rounded. And um, if Dan Hooker is coming in, you know, he's flying all the way from New Zealand. He's going to be cutting. Uh, you know, he's going to be cutting a lot of weight to get down to featherweight, of course. Um, how he's going to look on the scales, I don't know. Whether he even makes the weight, I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced. Um, but if Dan Hooker has a, you know, as I said, maybe not even necessarily a bad weight cut, but it's going to be difficult for him either way. He might look compromised, his chin as well, and that, you know, um, from that Michael Chandler fight. He may not be at 100% in that fight, just based off his weight cut alone and based off of the, his last couple of fights and the damage that he's, he's taken and that's accumulated I think I'm going to side with Arnold Allen here to get the job done. Um, but Dan Hooker's going to be big. He's going to be longer. He's obviously he's a fantastic Thai, Thai boxer. So I think he can really keep Arnold Allen at bay. And I think he can really, you know, he's going to have the power advantage. I fancy him to land a lot of strikes, make this really competitive. Um, and even if he does end up on the mat, he's very good uh, off his back. You know, he's a good submission artist. And he's, you know, okay, he's not he's not the best, but he's, he's better than some people will give him credit for. So, yep. I think uh, a very close one here, but I'm going to side with. So I think a very close one here, but I'm going to ever so slightly side with uh, with Arnold Allen. All right, and on to the main event, we have got Alexander Drago Volkov is taking on Tom Aspinall, 
And um, I think a lot of us are, sometimes we kind of roll our eyes when we see these heavyweight main events. I'm really excited for this one personally. I don't know about, I don't know about you. Um, this is a fight that was, I think one thing you consider as well, this is a fight that was kind of born out of necessity. This wasn't really created because this was the next step for Tom Aspinall. They needed a main event for this card, kind of like um, Blades versus Doc is like in the next week, I think it is. Probably not the right fight to make, but they just needed a main event, so they, they went with that. Of course, they wanted Darren Till and Uriah Hall for this card. That didn't materialise. Tom Aspinall, as we mentioned earlier, he had an opponent in Shamil Abdurakhimov, who was probably the next step in the ladder for Aspinall, and he said himself he was going to take it slow, he was going to take his time, you know, he knows he's still pretty green in this sport, um, and he was going to climb the ladder, as I said, you know, at the right pace. That's changed, that's been flipped on its head, he's he got the big main event spot here against Alexander Volkov, and it's not that I don't think Tom Aspinall is good enough to make this competitive or even win it, because I think he definitely is good enough for, for both of those. Um, I, I just think it might be a little too much too soon for him. Volkov is kind of like the... He's like the gatekeeper to the to the top five, a gatekeeper to the, the title shots or for title contendership in the heavyweight division. It feels like everybody's kind of got to go through him, except the champ, which is quite funny. Uh, but the likes of Blades, who, you know, I think he's not fought for a title yet, but we feel like he's probably good enough to. Um, Cyril Gann, Derek Lewis, they're the guys that Volkov gets beaten off of, but he kind of beats the rest of the guys. He'll have fond memories from his last visit in London as well. So... Volkov is a real tough test for him, and he, as I said, he has jumped a peg or two in that that ladder in the UFC heavyweight division for sure by by skipping over Abdurakhimov and taking this uh, this Volkov fight. But for me in this one, you know, Volkov's going to have the you know the length advantage. Of course, he's going to have the height advantage. He's a big guy. He's a very good striker. You know, he's 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 quite, um, you know, and um. He does, you know, he's not the most athletic. Of course, he's a big boy, and I think that's something that's gonna, um, gonna play into Tom Aspinall's hands. You know, obviously he is lighter on the feet. He moves like a middleweight. That's what they all say, right? Um, Cyril Gann made good use of that uh, as well. I think for me, the biggest issue or the biggest question in this fight is going to be the cardio of Aspinall, respectively, because we know Alexander Volkov. He's not really a finisher. You know, as I said, he's a good technical uh, striker. He's also a good offensive wrestler, which is another very interesting dynamic to add to this fight. But I think Sergei Spivak, you know, in his last fight with Aspinall there, um, he proved that, or Aspinall proved in that one, that he's not just going to, you know, go to the floor because you try and take him there. He's a difficult guy to take down. Um, and I don't think Volkov's a better wrestler than Spivak. He's going to be, you know, maybe bigger physically. That might help him. Um but yeah, this is really going to be this is going to be difficult, you know. Volkov will keep him on the air. So, you know, Volkov's going to try and keep him at distance, use his long limbs and use his height advantage. You know, he's going to have that in the bag. Um, it's a difficult puzzle for Tom Aspinall to solve. It's a new puzzle for Tom Aspinall to solve. Um, obviously, I think the power advantage is with Aspinall. Um, and yeah, the, the cardio is the big question for me. You know, I can maybe see him taking the first round, maybe the second. Volkov's a pretty... I don't know, I think he historically he's been a pretty hard guy to put away, but in his last few fights, I do see him kind of buckling at big shots. Um, you know, when he takes a big shot, he gets quite linear. So I'm not entirely sure how this fight goes. I think this is a really difficult one to call. I think for me, though, I'm going to go with Tom Aspinall. I think he will have the cardio to hang in there, although I'm not, as I say, I'm not confident about that. I'm just going to guess that he does have the cardio. Um 
in that spot. I think he's going to land some big shots in the first round or two. Might not get him out of there straight away. Might drop a round as well or two in this one, but I just think that Volkov, the way he's been eating shots lately, I don't think he's been fighting guys with hands like Aspinall who have got the speed, who have got the, you know, obviously Cyril Gann's a good technical fighter, but he wasn't really taking many risks in that Volkov fight. I think Tom Aspinall is going to be, you know, coming towards Volkov. He's going to be trying to, um, you know, take his head off with the punches. And I think, you know, the damage will accumulate. Um, he might slow down a little bit. I don't think he's going to be looking at 100% fit. Um, maybe that's, that's not the right term. I don't think his cardio is going to be stacking up incredibly well, but I think he should have enough to see him through um, the rounds. And I do think you'll probably get a finish maybe in that third round, I'll guess, for Tom Aspinall. Um, yeah, that's my official prediction. So finally then, just to wrap things up, I'm going to be taking you through my three top bets for this card, just singles, no like parlays or anything. Um, last week, we went 3-0 with the best bets, so let's keep up our unbeaten streak. Uh, hopefully we can keep that going. So my first bet then is maybe not my, I don't know, this card, there's a lot of good value in underdogs here, definitely, but I'm going to be riding with just my kind of three best picks, not the best kind of value, but the likes of Paul Craig, Elise Reed, um, you know, there's plenty of fighters across this card uh, where you can pick up value for sure. So I think there's a lot of value, as I said, in this one. I think Volkov as well. You know, I said that main event was really close, but my first pick, I'm going to take Jack Shore's money line. Again, I, I've kind of said in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, the preview, I think Shore is going to definitely, it's going to be a tough test for him, but I do think he uh, his striking is better. I like his IQ better. I think he's going to end up on top in this fight and his top pressure is nasty. So I'm going to pick Jack Shore's money line. I'm getting that at evens. So I think that's a good a good line for that there. Okay, next up then, I'm going to go with Gunnar Nelson to win by submission. I'm getting that at six to five. So bet five pound, you get six back, uh, including your stake. I, I think plus money for Gunnar Nelson to win this one by submission. As I said before, Sato submission defense you know he's losing a lot of fights by submission he's lost three of his four losses via submission Gunnar Nelson's grappling ability should not have have went anywhere and as I said I think he should be elusive enough to avoid that big right hand Sato's taking this one on short notice um if Gunnar Nelson is even as I said fractionally as good as he was before he should get this fight to the ground and there's really no excuse for him losing it if he can and gets it to the ground so um I think my second best bet there is going to be Gunnar Nelson by submission and then my third bet, I'm going to go with the meatball. Molly McCanty win via decision at 13 to 10. So again, just over evens, plus money on that one. Um, I, typically, I would stay away from, from female fights, and especially of this kind of close nature. But um, I am reasonably confident in Molly McCann getting the job done here. So I'm actually going to ride uh, right there with that. So um, yeah, at least evens on all of them there. So yeah, at least evens on all of those bets. Hopefully we can, uh, as I said, keep up our unbeaten streak. Move to 6-0 for next week's card, which is going to be in, I think it's Columbus or it's Cincinnati. It's one of the two. So yeah, there you have it. My three best bets for this card. Hopefully we can move to 6-0 and, uh, and keep the unbeaten streak going. At least evens there for all of those as well. So um, yeah, not too bad at all. Next week's card is in Columbus, so it's um, Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins. We've also got another Scottish person on that card as well. Joanne Woods is back in action. I can't wait to break that card down and talk a bit about that. I hope 
You've enjoyed listening here, though. I hope to see you next week for the hangover for UFC London. There's going to be a lot of talking points, I'm sure. There's so many great prospects in this card. It's absolutely fantastic. This card's a really big deal in this part of the world. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please consider interacting with it. Share this about, um, you know, on your social medias, etc. Interact with it. Just let me know that you like this and you want to see more. Um, you can get this on YouTube, on Spotify, on, as I said before, Apple, Google, Samsung podcasts, uh, Amazon, everything, right? So go and uh, yeah, check it out um, on, on YouTube as well, of course, if I didn't mention that. Uh, we're on Twitter at BrokenOrbital underscore, on TikTok and Instagram at BrokenOrbitalMMA. I've been Jack. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you back here soon.